When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson. That wasn't so pretty last night, was it? I am recording this uh, late morning on Friday, as I told you I would. Um, We're going to buzz through a quick recap of the game, um, some general feel about it. Next week, with that long week, we'll probably dig into more things like, you know, Trubisky the starter and all these crazy, you know, all these big things, you know, bigger picture stuff. Um, uh, let's do thoughts at the end of the podcast, but, uh, here's what I'm going to break it down. I'm going to do a stats recap, starting with how things were at halftime, which are some interesting notes there, how they ended, and then a thumbs up, thumbs down portion, and then maybe a little other, you know, big picture stuff. So at the half, Trubisky was nine to 13, 109, pretty much maintained that the whole way through. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Fine. Brissett was 16 of 22 for 134. Similar, but the Browns passed the ball 22 times in the first half and only ran it 13. There's a misconception that run, 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 hide the quarterback. They kind of were like that in week one. But by the way, Brissett played awesome. Uh, Maybe the best game he's ever had as a pro. And and the Steelers did something to do with that. I mean, we'll get to this stuff in the thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, But... Give the guy credit, too. He threw the ball really, really well and was very on point. Two touchdowns, no interceptions at that point. In the first half, though, the Steelers had 88 rushing yards. Najee was 10 for 46. Warren was 4 for 30. I mean, that's at the half. The Browns only had 79. Chubb was 8 for 58 at that point. At the half, the Browns had the ball 16 minutes and 45 seconds. Steelers were 13-15. Still, they were outrushing the Browns at that point. Here's a big one to me. At the half, yards per play, the Browns are at 5.7. Very respectable. Good number. Steelers were at 6.8 on offense. They were moving the football. They weren't possessing it, but they were moving the football better than Cleveland in the first half. Uh, The Steelers had created 14 first downs, Browns 13. Again, big discrepancy in time possession, though. At that point, Cooper had four catches for 35. Najoku had seven already for 69. Deontay had four for 48. Nothing really from Miles Garrett at that point. They were doing a great job of really dedicating resources to slowing him down, which, as we talked about, was huge. And they did a very good job with that. So the game finished similar. I'll I'll be quicker on these, but... Steelers ended up at 5.6 yards per play when it was all said and done. The Browns were at 5.3. Keeping the Browns to 5.3 isn't terrible. Achieving 5.6 on offense for the year, for for a whole game, is big. First downs, which is my new favorite stat here. Browns produced 22. Steelers produced 20. Here's a killer, though. And this is just such a theme. I mean, the Browns ran 71 plays. 
on a short week, on super short week, on the road against a defense that had led the league in snaps played through the first two weeks of the season. You can't win that way. You just can't. I mean, more and more and more, I care more about defensive snaps played than I ever did. You know, offenses figure you out. They wear you down. This defense is playing way, way, way too many snaps, which is their fault. The offense, I mean, this is... It, it's a symptom, you know, I mean, it doesn't, the the disease is not controlling the ball on offense, not stopping the run, but the symptom is how many plays is your defense playing? Well, Steelers D is, that's the biggest problem that needs fixed. Steelers ran 55 plays, the Browns ran 71. So here's the result. Steelers possess the ball for just under 24 minutes. The Browns possess the ball for over 36. Can't win that way. You just can't, unless you really win the turnover battle or special teams or, you know, things like big plays, which this team's not going to do. Taking things further and why they're not one of the problems. I thought the offense was really good, but one of nine on third downs. You know, here's another thing I like. The the Browns were six of 16 on third downs. You know, that percentage is not great, but you pushed them to third down 16 times. That's great. That's what you want to do. You know, you're, that goes back to the yards per play stuff. You know, push them to third down. They converted more than you'd like, but okay. Um, Trubisky and Brissett pretty much had pretty equal numbers, except Jacoby had two two touchdowns, neither one through a uh, interception. Trubisky ended up, you know, 207, Brissett 220. Um, Najee finished the day, though, 15 for 56. You know, very little in the second half. Chubb ends up 23 for 113. So in the end, the Browns outrushed the Steelers 171 to 104. You know, so where's the run game in the second half? Cooper and the Joku, they were awesome. But it's also frustrating, too, that you have two weapons, you know, Chubb aside and Hunt aside, and you let those two just rip you up. You know, Cooper for seven for 101, uh, also had a touchdown. The Joku, nine for 89, also had a touchdown. Deontay finished the day with eight, 484. Could have been more. You know, I, I think it, there's no question it could have been more. Um, we'll do a quick stock up, take a break, come back for stock down, and then some general thoughts here. But a lot of these are going to correlate those numbers we mentioned. I think you have to put Trubisky in the stock up category. I promise we'll talk Trubisky, Pickett, all that stuff when I return, you know, Monday. But that was his best game. He made plays. He missed plays, and that's what's frustrating is he still misses too many, but he put the ball in spots for his receivers to make plays, and more often than – and sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. Um, he made plays with his legs. There's still a robotic nature to him that I don't love, a little bit mechanical, not real, you know, instinctive. Doesn't see the field great, but enough on that, I guess. I thought the O-line was great. Great strong, I guess, Matt. But, you know uh, – I, I've been pushing it down your throats all week that, hey, this O-line's better than you think. Well, I thought this was great evidence of that. Mason Cole, to me, is no longer a liability. You know, I looked at him like, man, you're a backup placeholder. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? I mean, he's playing better than just a placeholder type guy. Um, Dan Moore held his own with Garrett, as mentioned, and they gave him a lot of help, including uh, Gentry. I want to give him a thumbs up as well for his help with Garrett. Run and the, the biggest thing to me is the the run blocking was way better than it's been 
in, I don't know, 20 games? I mean, a long time. Um, I think Warren deserves a big thumbs up, too. He, he brings a great dimension to this backfield that they just didn't have last year with Snell. Um, he's very impressive. Uh, I, I'm Might be another conversation. I'm not saying Warren versus Najee, but, man, the offense seems to move better when he's in the game. Claypool keeps showing up over and over. I, I think his career is getting back on track. Pickens for the grab, and he looked like he was open a fair amount more. You could tell he's getting frustrated, though, and that was one of the reasons he was a second-round pick, not a first, not necessarily always playing well with others and always you know, stems from a major competitiveness about him, which I think is part of the reason he's great. Something to keep an eye on, though. Um, Highsmith. You would think, you know, Watts out. Can Highsmith still do anything? He probably was their best defensive player. <laughs> he he. Nobody was running to his side. He's making p- p- plays in the passing game, really making a name for himself. He has stepped up huge. Uh, he got a call out Killebrew for the punt block. Huge play. Uh, Could have done more with it. I think I called him out last week. Miles Boykin. Guy runs down on kickoffs and punts and makes plays. I mean, he's a little bit of a factor on the offense. Not in this game, but... Um, really glad they picked him up for nothing. So the rest of the thumbs up, unfortunately, are brownies. You probably don't want to hear too much about that. Brissett was really, really good. You can say what you want about the Steelers D, but when a quarterback's on, they're hard to stop in this league, and he was really on. Najoku and Cooper we talked about. Um, led by Wyatt Teller, I thought the interior of the Browns offensive line, pooling on the move, coming straight downhill, they mashed them. You know, I mean, that, that O-line is really good, especially guard to guard right now. I uh, with two guards. I mean, the centers, yeah, post has been okay, and he played well in this game. But I got to give them credit. Um, also have to give the Browns defense credit late in the game. They, too, were on a short week. I know they were home, but Steelers only drove two hours and 15 minutes up the road. Um, end of game defense, stamina, despite a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball for the Browns. I mean, if the, if the Browns' defense would have collapsed in that game, they kind of had a built-in excuse. You know, all their linebackers were going down, didn't have Clowney. So, hey, folks, I'm going to give the opponents credit here. You know, I mean, it's I know it's a Steeler-centric website and Pittsburgh website and podcast, but I am never going to discount what the, uh, the enemies did, too. So, a uh, good beefy segment there. We'll be back in one minute, talk about some of the thumbs-down stuff. First off, tackling was horrendous. And part of that's because Chubb's a monster. I guess I didn't give Chubb a thumbs up, but that was almost too obvious. And I'm not picking on Najee, but watching Chubb run the football versus Najee, they're not really even close. I mean, I think Chubb's the best ball carrier in the league. So, you know, that's a high standard. But Najee has... You know, stiff arms and jumping over people. But the way Chubb runs the ball is so much harder to play against. I mean, he's a superstar. But Steelers tackling was horrendous. Arm tackles, not keeping their feet under them. That's basically across the board. 
Which leads me to what we just commended the Browns on. Fatigue, stamina, late-in-game ability to stack up. We talked about this already. This group is playing way too many snaps. That couldn't have been more obvious, and this opponent was the last one you want to face, Chubb and Wyatt Teller and Batonio and those guys. But I got to call out Cam Hayward. Um, I feel like this is the second game in a row where he hasn't made an impact. You know, the bar is higher for him than others, and he isn't reaching his usual bar. Um, yeah, he's getting doubled like crazy, and he could use Watt back out there as much as anyone. But he dealt, he was better last year, you know, I mean, he's not a young man. You talk about toughness, fatigue, stamina, he's got to be the one leading the parade and you didn't see it, you know, I mean, that's two weeks in a row where Hayward wasn't great, you know, I mean, again, standards different for him. A little worried about Tyson Alualu, talking about age, he did not have a good game. He, he got pushed around, he did not hold the point didn't absorb blocks and eat them up. Um, who knows? But that's something to put on the back burner for a while here. You know, he doesn't usually play a ton of snaps, so it can kind of go unnoticed, but they need him to be very stout on limited snaps. That's what he's here for. Even push the pocket here and there. Didn't do it. Uh, I thought this was Jack's worst game. I'm not worried about him per se, but he got caught up in the wash a little bit. Guards got in on him, and again, Batonio and Teller are the best pair of guards in the league, and they get to the second level. It's tough on any linebacker, but it wasn't Jack's best day, that's for sure. Uh, Witherspoon, somebody we have absolutely have to talk about. He got roasted. Um, Amari Cooper lit him up time and time again. Um, too much cushion, way too much separation against Cooper. And I, I know Amari's a little bit of out of sight, out of mind, but he's a great route runner. I, I mean, he really is. He has some inconsistencies to his game, but when he's on, like he has been this, tough, this last two weeks, that's brutal. But Witherspoon has too many inconsistencies to his game, too. You know, I mean, there's big plays, there's splash. I think he missed two bad tackles in this game, too, but really was no match for Amari Cooper. Um, I'm somewhat of an Edmonds fan, Terrell Edmonds. I thought this was his worst game in a while, though. Uh, he got matched up on Cooper in the slot. That was easy pickings. Uh, that's probably just good scheming or wrong defensive play call. i have to watch that again. But Najoku ate him up. He didn't tackle great. Um, just a, a bad outing for Edmonds. Again, not super worried about it. You can tell I'm just kind of naming defensive players here left and right, which the defense was quite bad. Um, but I will say, you're the favorite guy to keep in the doghouse, Devin Bush, I don't have on the down list. So I just have a note here. Bush is not on the thumbs down list. It was fine. Um, I have problems forever, really, with, with Coach Tomlin's game management. Came up here again. I mean, the one that I'll really point to is the Bosworth missed field goal. I mean, that's a 50-yard field goal in extreme wins. And I know Boz is awesome, but that was fourth and two at midfield. I mean, analytics aside, I mean, the analytics will tell you to go for that every time, let alone if it, you know, without the wind. But I think almost every coach in the league does. I, I mean, I understand. I don't trust the offense. I trust Boz more than the offense. I get that. But you got to go for fourth and shorts at midfield more often than not, let alone in crazy wind like that. And we saw the result. 
Wynn pushes the ball greatly to the right, missed field goal. And as I've told you guys, missed field goals, especially long ones, are really just turnovers. You just hand the ball to Cleveland right at midfield. Brutal. You know, I mean, a couple other things with Tomlin I didn't love, but that one is just a glaring example to me. And it just happens over and over. I mean, his game management to me hasn't improved uh, clock management, game management. There were some timeouts he could have made to save more time that I didn't understand him doing. I mean, even... I know you needed two scores to win at the end, but I would not have kicked the field goal at the very end when you're that close to the goal line. I would have tried for the touchdown. I mean, okay. Um, I, I don't know that you guys are aware of this number, but it's very troubling. 12 games in a row without an offensive touchdown in the first quarter. 12 games. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm going to wrap this thing up here. Another troubling news or nugget, kind of like those 12 games without an offensive touchdown in the first quarter, is now they are 0-6 without T.J. Watt starting um, over this last stretch. Obviously not an accident. I expect Watt back soon, though. I mean, I am not a doctor. I hate talking about injuries. I mean, trust me, I don't know that. Um, I have some inclinations and that he will be back sooner than later. So I think that's encouraging. Um, clearly, they are a different team with and without him. Cleveland would be a different team with and without Miles Garrett. Dallas would be a different team without Micah Parsons. I've gotten a lot of blowback that if one player defines you, you aren't a good defense. I get that, but <laughs> where would the Rams be without Aaron Donald? I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's an elite, elite player being taken out of the equation. So I know there's a lot of... Steelers can't win anything, get Pickett in there, and I will talk about that. But I think what they're going to, I know what they're going to do, and how I think I would approach it as well at this point is take a big step back, treat this as a mini-bye week, self-scout, you know, have your defensive staff look at your offensive stuff and say, hey, this is too easy to play against, vice versa. Rest, especially this defense, especially Hayward and Alulu and these older dudes. Really get your bodies right and get your, you know, get ready for a really tough stretch here. And then I think you go out and beat the Jets. And I don't mean that that's a foregone conclusion. The Jets are better than you think. But you beat the Jets, you get the two and two. It's a little bit of a different season. You know, the I think that's the way you got to look at it, though. Take this long break. Take advantage of that break. You know, you were, uh, that's a bit of a gift after having to deal with a tough circumstance and beat the Jets and see where you're at after that. So that is a wrap. I'm Matt Williamson. Drop me a follow on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL over and out. <laughs>